Welcome to The Mandatory, one of our first lives during the week. Thanks so much for rocking with us. If you already haven't liked the video, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Also follow us on our social media platforms. Brian, it was a pretty busy week in boxing because Canelo Alvarez was fighting John Ryder. And that was a fight that actually went the distance. I argued with you. I was like, there's no way it goes the distance. I think a lot of people's parlays probably got messed up in this one. Mine did. And yeah, mine did as well. I thought it would be between round seven through nine, but it turns out that Canelo Alvarez did indeed go the distance with John Ryder. John Ryder is tough as hell. What were your thoughts on what happened? And we'll get into what's next for Canelo, which we kind of already did, did a video for if you haven't already checked it out. But what were your thoughts on everything that you saw this weekend? The parlays, man. I'm not going to get over that. Um, Thankfully, I don't bet too, too much. Uh, but what I will say is, uh, and, you know, for people who end up watching this, we start, we started right at one. We probably should have waited a few minutes, but we'll, we'll let some people trickle in. It's all good. Um, Because, you know, late, late arriving crowd, I apparently know all about that, Chantel, is what I would say. Are you always late or something like that? No, no, that's a Heat Knicks joke. Um, <laughs> so, basically... <laughs> Um, Canelo Alvarez, I, I didn't think he looked great. And this is the third consecutive fight where I'm kind of like, huh, doesn't quite look elite in the same way that I feel like he has throughout his peak, which leads me to the question of what we're going to talk about is, is he past his peak, right? The last great start to finish, although he got off to a slow start, but you'll get what I'm saying, uh, performance he had was i thought against caleb plant in 2011 mm. 2022 he obviously lost to dimitri bivol a fight that in hindsight i wasn't sure that he was really in like that i mean it was kind of close in the beginning but at the, the scorecards i was looking at them again there was some 115 113s and i didn't think it was that i thought bivol won maybe nine rounds instead of just seven right and beyond that he has the fight against Gennady Golovkin, which he dominates early on, but it it, it kind of looked like because Triple G was older. Mm -hmm. And then Canelo fades, loses his, loses his energy, so to speak, and Gennady Golovkin wins some rounds at the end, making it like a closer fight than it actually appeared, even though Canelo, to me, won maybe eight rounds to four. Yeah, I saw some seven fives going around. We were texting about that. And and Bivol's another fight that though he gassed out early. And then the John Ryder thing, it looked like he was going to put him away a couple of different times, right in the range we were talking about. Five to eight, seven to nine. It looked yeah. like round seven, there was an opening. And I was like, oh man, we're both going to nail this, right? I was thinking that as I'm watching the fight. And then I'm like, oh, John Ryder's fighting back. Credit to his toughness. Canelo is not as sharp defensively. Um, is not throwing a lot of combinations because it was a lot of like just sort of jab overhand right overhand right with no setup and toward the end i thought he gave john Ryder a couple rounds i had canelo winning i believe 117 110 something along those lines he did get the one knockdown but mm -hmm. just three fights in a row where i'm like i'm not really sure and maybe he just looks like a guy who's in his 18th year as a pro entering his mid-30s and while he's still the best super middleweight in the world right now, he looks more vulnerable than he has, I, believe, I feel like. Yeah, and as for Canelo, like, you're saying you weren't impressed with him. I don't think he fought badly. 
Like there were moments in that fight where I was like, oh man, John Ryder is really landing that uppercut really easily in this fight on Canelo. But at the same time, I don't think he fought badly. I think the biggest issue is, is we tend to forget that at 168, he's not a natural 168er. So even then, how are we expecting his power to translate? I don't think it's translating. Like he fought um, Avni Yildirim or whatever. Like, yeah, that's a guy he's going to stop. <laughs> right? Like we knew that right away. That was a guy that he was going to stop. But for a guy like John Ryder, who is naturally used to fighting bigger guys, Canelo is a smaller guy. And so I think we have to take that into consideration as well. Like has Canelo's power translated? Because I don't think it was a bad fight. I had it scored, you know, 10 rounds to Canelo, two rounds to John Ryder. And if I was being a little bit nicer and like a little bit more generous I'd maybe give three rounds to John Ryder however I thought Canelo for the most part he had a good performance he just didn't have the performance that everyone wanted him to have and that was him stopping or knocking out John Ryder cold and there definitely was some moments and in that fifth round I remember like when John Ryder got stunned I was like man Canelo needs to go at him hard but John Ryder after he got dropped he just went harder at Canelo and I thought it was really ex impressive on John Ryder's end. He is extremely tough, and he's one of those guys that is a tricky fighter. He's a pressure fighter. And at one point going into this fight, I was like, yo, it's just going to be target practice for Canelo. But John Ryder fought very, very well. But look at his face at the end. His face was messed up, right? So it's like, what are we actually saying? Is Canelo past his prime? I just don't know if this was the perfect fight for him to pick are expectations too high for canelo you of think okay. okay dude like and and that's what i'm trying to say it's like is he past his prime yeah i don't think this is the canelo from a few years ago but this guy has over 60 professional fights like in in boxing world in boxing ages the man's like 75 years old <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like he's old he's got over 60 <laughs> professional fights and i don't actually think he fought bad I just believe that, number one, he's not a natural 168er. And at the same time, it's like he was coming back from wrist surgery. He hadn't fought in seven months. Like, we're used to, at one point, seeing Canelo fight like three, four times a year, right? This was his longest layoff. And actually, he was supposed to take a longer layoff. Like, in that interview, post-fight interview, when he fought Gennady Golovkin, there was talk that he was actually going to be fighting in September, Right. He said he was going to take more time off. So he came back sooner. And let's also think about the high elevation as well, where he was fighting. Like, I'm not making excuses for Canelo, but it was hot as hell and the higher elevation as well that he's not used to fighting at. My thing was also once I saw the tiny ring, that that ring was small. I don't remember yeah. if somebody said it was 18 by 18, but <clears throat> it was a small ring. It reminded me of Tim Zhu versus Tony Harrison. We're going into the fight. It's like. Oh, man, like I, I thought Tony Harrison had a chance once I saw how small the ring was. It was like, oh, yeah. no, because because this is designed for Tim Zhu to be able to cut off the ring easier, corner him, trap him and eventually stop him, which is exactly what happened. Doesn't allow Tony Harrison to box. And, you know, somebody who would need to use the ring wasn't able to use the ring. The same thing here where I thought Canelo Alvarez, knowing that John Ryder was going to need to use his movement here, would potentially just pressure him and have more success 
and it didn't appear that way uh, at times. And like, again, he fought well, right? Like we asked on a community poll, which got, I don't know how many votes, a bunch, but um, what would you grade Canelo's performance in the A's, B's, C's, or a straight up F? Like a B. I'd give him a B. To me, it was like C plus because I feel like maybe C because I feel like that's a guy, John Ryder, who you're not just going to put away easily. But with the small ring, you being Canelo Alvarez, and I understand like he's not naturally a super middleweight, but I, I think the openings were there. And then he ended up, it's also defensively for me, like he was getting touched up. A lot, and he yeah. wasn't as sharp defensively as he normally was, which to me is worrisome as we project for his future, the Dimitri Bivol rematch, which he really wants, which, okay. And then the potential of maybe a David Benavidez coming into the picture. Well, let's get right into that then, as in terms of who Canelo wants to see next, because he's been pretty adamant about wanting to avenge that loss against Dimitri Bivol. Personally, I think it goes the exact same way. Now, Canelo (laughs) said in that post-fight interview, he wants it on the same terms. So he wants it at 175. Bivol's like, yo, let's do it at 168. You can put your belts on the line. (laughs) Because Bivol knows. Bivol knows how this is going to go, right? But at the same time, like, we haven't seen Bivol fight for a long time as well. So if they do have this fight in September, which is very likely, that'll be almost a year since Bivol has fought. Or something along the lines of that. We'll have to look that up. I know you're the note guy. Uh, You took some notes, so maybe you can double check that for me. Uh, But that would be a long time since Bivol would have fought. So... That's the thing. It's like, you know, I think Canelo is going to want to avenge his loss against Bevel. I think the David Benavides fight is the fight that fans want to see, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the fight that would bring all eyes to boxing. And I think, like, there were some parts in that David Benavides Caleb Plum fight where I was like, yo, if David Benavides does this against Canelo, it's a wrap, right? <laughs> there, were, there, was, there were some moments. I think Benavides has a chance to be Canelo, but I think. Canelo still has a very good chance to be David Benavides. And this would be the time to fight him because you don't want David Benavides to get better and Canelo to get older. I'll tell you what, Chantel, this, this is closer to a 50, 50 fight to be today than it was a week ago. <laughs> yeah. It seems like because... you, you, it seems like you feel like Canelo has fallen off for sure. No, not fallen off, but like, I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate what I said before when we talked about this initially. Um, David Benavidez, I would not call him the favorite in a hypothetical Canelo Alvarez fight. What I would say, though, Chantel, is David Benavidez profiles as the guy who, historically in boxing, this is the guy who comes along and takes the stuff of whoever's the champion, right? He's younger. He's maybe faster at this juncture. He's, I would say, stronger because he's a natural super middleweight and he's actually missed weight a couple times. He's probably going to be a future light heavyweight in all likelihood, right? Um, versus Canelo Alvarez, who started his career at 154 yeah. <laughs> and is trying to like actually win a title at light heavyweight. Like David Benavides has a lot of height, reach, uh, his stamina is great, right? He has a lot of physical advantages over Canelo Alvarez, who is starting to age a little more. who's going to be 33 years old this summer, who is in year 18 of his career. Like, David Benavidez is somebody who profiles as the type of guy who would win this fight, who, as an underdog, I'd be curious to see what the odds would be in this hypothetical. 
yeah, like I, I'd be curious and maybe even put money on David Benavidez. Like I could really talk myself into it. I don't think you're alone in that, though. I think a lot of people think David Benavidez would be Canelo, but I just think Canelo still has a really good chance to be David Benavidez. But the longer that Canelo lets this go on, David Benavidez gets more fights and gets better. Right. And then you're finding a guy that is more polished. And as you mentioned, he is getting older. And the thing about it is, Canelo could ride off into the sunset if he wanted to. And this is the most interesting part about this whole who is Canelo going to fight next? Because we know he's going to fight Bevel. Whether we want it or not, he's going to try to avenge that loss against Bevel. And Canelo wants it on the same terms. And if it's going to be anything like the first fight, and if Canelo is going to look like how he did against John Ryder, Bevel's going to get that dub. And I don't know what that's going to say about his legacy, but I do give mad props to Canelo because he's got heart to want to go take that fight again. David Benavidez is the most interesting one. The fans want to see that one. We know how good David Benavidez is, and he's young, and he's going to be next up in that division, and everybody knows it. And then there's a guy that's, uh, you know, from your area. He's also Puerto Rican, and he's trying (laughs) to match from Edgar Berlanga. And there is a road for Edgar Berlanga to fight Canelo Alvarez. I also think that's a fight that we could possibly see, and I think it's more likely that Canelo fights Bevel and possibly loses. I would would say that he would lose to uh, Bevel, and then maybe fights Edgar Berlanga, beats Edgar Berlanga, and rides off into the sunset. Can I give you my dream scenario that will not play out? I mean, sure. It's it's your show, too. Dude, do whatever you like. <laughs> you don't got to ask me, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, The dream scenario for me that will not happen is if we're playing matchmaker, which we will do on the next segment we're about to get to also. Um, Canelo Alvarez fights David Benavidez in September. The co-feature is Edgar Berlanga versus John Ryder, who wanted to fight each other before. Did not happen. Now it's easier to make that fight because they're both a matchroom, right? You can make that happen easily. And then Mexico, uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend in 2024, Canelo fights presumably the winner. Uh, or well, presumably Edgar Berlanga, assuming he wins that fight against John Ryder, right? And that's, all, that's also assuming Edgar Berlanga wins his fight next month against Jason yeah, Quigley. Quigley yeah. that, would be, that would be my dream scenario. Or if Benavidez wins that fight, then you can get Benavidez versus Berlanga somehow. Showtime and the zone come together, you can make that happen. They just made Tank Garcia, like they'll they'll make fights, right? Like it's just a matter of getting everyone together and making that happen. But I, I do think we're gonna see Bevol Canelo too. I'm not really interested. I, I would like Bevol to uh you know defend his title and then fight Arthur Better Biev in the unification that we all want to see for undisputed at light heavyweight. However, if I'm Dimitri Bevol. Yeah, I want to fight Canelo again, beat him again, and make a lot of money. Why the hell not? Like, <laughs> yeah, why, why not? Why not? That that's going to be a big payday for him. And also, when I take a look at that path, like I think that's something everyone wants to see as well. But I think at the same time, there might be a slight chance, even though Canelo doesn't have to. I think there is a slight chance that we could see that David Benavides fight because we know one thing: at this point, Canelo's fighting for legacy. That's why he wants to fight people again. He's fighting for legacy. So I think there's a chance we might get it. But at the same time, he doesn't have to go that route because he can easily go fight Bevel again, lose to Bevel, come back, fight Edgar Berlanga and sail off into the sunset if he wanted to. And I think that will be probably most likely from what we're going to see from Canelo. And uh, speaking of Matchroom, we got to talk about Regis Progray signing to Matchroom. Everyone thought that he would go to 
top rank or even PBC. And here's the thing is that apparently the offer from top rank was a lot better than mm -hmm. the one from Matchroom. But Regis Progray has decided to go to Matchroom. He also said in an interview that, you know, he wanted to fight guy like Ryan Garcia, Subaru Matias, and Subaru Matias as well. I think he's a free agent. So, hey, maybe he signs with Matchroom. There is a possibility. That's a that's an interesting wrinkle in all of this. And I, one of my predictions this year is that we would, we would see a unification between Regis and uh, Subriel Matias. But maybe I don't think I don't think so now for reasons we'll get into. But I hey, mean, if he signs to Matchroom though, because he's a free agent right now, so or that's a or listen, Subriel Matias could go to top rank. Because let me tell you one thing about Bob Barrow. Hey, that, there, that's he, good he, matchmaking. That's he good get, matchmaking. He, get, he gets he gets the Puerto Rican. He knows how to market Puerto Rican fighters. Okay, if I'm Subriel Matias, I'm keeping that in mind. But anyway, yeah, and also top rank makes the most sense. I think it really, really also depends on what happens with Devin Haney, because there was talk that Devin Haney might leave top rank. There's also talk that rumors that Devin Haney is also going to move up a weight class. Those rumors were also shut down by Bill Haney, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I think it really also depends on Devin Haney because if Devin Haney does leave top rank and then goes over to Matchroom, that could be a pretty good fight with him and Regis Progray. But Regis Progray set to fight Liam Paro, who I believe is Australian, if I'm not mistaken. We just had our you know Australian friend Jason Maloney hop on our show as well, who will who be fighting this, this week. Yes. Yeah, so definitely go check out that interview. But Brian, want to get your thoughts on Regis signing with Matchroom. Regis Progray will be fighting next month. So it's interesting because 140 is uh, this is Stacked. we asked we asked Regis when he came on this show last month. Um whenever that was, it was recent. And I asked him about potentially moving up to welterweight at some point. He was like 140 is more popping right now. And he's right because if you look at what's coming up, Jack Catterall who we thought he should have gotten the nod over Josh Taylor. A lot yes. of people thought he should have gotten the nod over it's Josh Taylor. It's a robbery. It was a robbery. He's making his return in a comeback fight against Dara Foley, and that's going to be May 27th. So that's coming up, right? That's on the Mauricio Lara Leewood 2 rematch card. And next month, you have obviously Josh Taylor versus Teofimo Lopez, WBO title, Madison Square Garden Theater, controversially. That's June 10th. The week after, Regis Progray has the, the, the I'm coming home fight against Liam Paro in his hometown, which Chantel, I did call when we were texting about yeah. it. I was like, he's going to sign there. He's going to have a fight in New Orleans and a bigger fight later on. I think you circle that on your calendar because what it looks like is Regis Progray, Jack Catterall in the fall. That's what I feel like Matchroom is sort of setting up, which is smart for them to do so. Um, other options in-house. Uh, Gabriel Galaz Valenzuela, who had that nice win over Steve Spark in a in a split decision, maybe that's a title defense he could have. Richardson Hitchens, way more interesting to me. As but a here, prospect. but but that's the but, thing. Like all of those fights are just meh to me, right? And we know that's the route. Like we know that's the route that he's going to fight Liam Paro, and then we know he's going to fight Jack Catterall. Most like we know that. And when I take a look at that, I'm like, I don't really want to see Regis do that because isn't Re Regis pushing 35 right now? 34, 35? 34, mid 30s, yeah. And he wants big fights, which he said. I, I I think I think look, I think him and Jack Catterall is a is a big fight for like boxing fans. But is it a big fight in terms of transcending the sport? Not necessarily, right? And I don't think Matchroom offers that as much as uh, top rank would have. So I'm 
we'll, we could ask him. We'll have him back on the show. We could ask like what the decision there was because top rank and this now we'll pivot to the WBO side of this, the top rank side of this. The logical matchmaking there is obviously the winner of Josh Taylor, Teofimo Lopez would become the champion. Ardo Barbosa and Jose Ramirez don't have fights right now, and they both won, and they should fight each other. Uh, presumably, you can make that fight happen still in July or August. Yeah. And the two winners of those fights, let's say, let's call it Teofimo Lopez and potentially Arno Barbosa, because I think he's underrated right now, and yeah. better against Jose Pedraza than Jose Ramirez did against Richard Comey, in my opinion. Maybe you have the two winners of those fights. They fight Heisman Knight pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, maybe a pay-per-view, or just on ESPN, probably just ESPN, on December and there you go. There you have your sort of top rank little tournament or whatever the case may be. And I think I think there are some pathways to making interesting fights if promoters mm-hmm. are also going to come together. There's Roly Romero is fighting for a WBO interim title now this weekend. And, and he will gonna, win the title. <laughs> like he's he's going to win the title. So he's going to be someone at 140 that's going to have a title and people are probably going to want to fight him. But yeah, I, I love that path as well. Arnold Barbosa and Jose Ramirez. And when we had Arnold Barbosa Jr. on our show, he said he would love that fight with Jose Ramirez. And so I would love mm-hmm. to see those two obviously fight the winner of Teofimo Lopez and Josh Taylor. And we know that Jose Ramirez at the same time wants to avenge that loss against Josh Taylor as well. So this would be easy matchmaking. And if Regis was, if he would have chose top rank, it would have been so much easier because he would have had so many options. But I do think the one interesting factor is Subriel Matias is a free agent and Regis Progre did say that he wanted to fight him. So if Subriel Matias does end up signing with Matchroom, then there's a massive fight there. And also, one thing I wanted to mention was Roly Romero fighting for the WBA interim title. I was looking at the rankings yeah. and uh, for for the IBF because Subriel Matias, as you mentioned, like who knows what he's going to do next. They don't even have top two rated contenders right now at this point. So I'm like, oh, man, is he only going to fight once this year? Like, is this going to be some bullshit? And you look at through the rankings, it's like Ergashev is number three. Um, then you have Liam Paro, who's going to fight. Liam Paro was supposed to fight Arno Barbosa. Wasn't that supposed to be? Wasn't that yes. ordered by the WBO as an eliminator? And then all of a sudden he gets the title shot of Regis Program. Gotta love this sport. Um, and then you have other guys on the rankings who, you know, is he is he going to? Is he going to go to ESPN? So, because Jose Ramirez is actually there, he's sixth, I believe. Uh, and then the guy is sort of lingering all in all of this, and he's not necessarily going to get a title shot next, but he will soon. Is Gary Antoine Russell? Yeah. And I feel like the Roly Romero Gary Antoine Russell fight is right there to be had, maybe later this year, maybe early next year, as a title fight. That's interesting to me. So. 140, there are a lot of options. I think the, the the most creative ones you can have right now are definitely in that ESPN house. But yeah. we re- what we really need are, like, again, ESPN uh, match room, and, uh, you know, showtime. We need everyone to come together and make some of these crossover fights because if everyone's just going to keep it in-house, then it could get stale after a while. Well, they just did that with Ryan and Tank. And so I think Ryan Garcia is actually an interesting piece at 140 mm, as well because what is he going to do? I think there's a really good chance that we might even see him fight a guy like Broly Romero because they're good friends. These two would probably want to make that fight happen. And I think the that's up, actually the fight. Chantel, the, the build-up for that fight. Would be wild. And and that's what I'm saying, though, right? Roly and Ryan Garcia can sell a fight. 
and yeah. people would want to tune in. And so Ryan Garcia is also a very interesting piece because you saw Regis Progre. Regis Progre, that was one of the names that he wanted was Ryan Garcia because we know that despite the fact of Ryan Garcia losing to Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia has cachet to his name. Whether yeah. you're a fan of People him or care not. about him so much. Yes. And so, mm -hmm. and he has a total different fan base that he brings to these fights that aren't boxing fans or even casual boxing fans. Like he brings the masses out. Now I want to go over to boxing learner, by the way, thanks so much for rocking with us. He says, this sucks. In my opinion, top rank was pursuing. And of course he <laughs> means Regis Prograde. He just wasted an opportunity and boxing learner coming with the heat. We appreciate this. He said, Ryan would never fight Regis can't believe he mentioned hey matt you know what ryan just fought tank um would he fight regis he, he, i don't he know shouldn't, he shouldn't fight regis no because next. that's another l yeah he should. <laughs> that's another l um but very, very good points boxing learner we appreciate you for uh, hopping on by the way yeah i think um i think i think ryan garcia is an interesting name to bring up in all of this because he for now at least is with golden boy and under that zone umbrella for now at least yes though there are some questions about how long that relationship is going to last um but he he just lost and we may not see him in the ring again until the fall if i had to guess educated yeah. guess maybe know? against liam paro <laughs> 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 or 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 whoever uh the, the whoever jack catterall beats uh the raw foley yeah um oh, shit actually you know what montana love who uh lost to steve spark and, and would he throw him out of the oh ring last you know yeah. he's lingering around somewhere maybe ryan garcia could fight him i'd watch that that'd be fun uh but no like the 140 division is stacked but everyone is on quote unquote different sides of the street. So it's just a matter of whether or not it's gonna come together. I think I think for Regis though, like matchroom promotionally, like it is I don't think it's a dumb move at all, right? Like I don't think anyone's saying that up here. Like I think it's it's he's gonna be he's gonna have good matchmaking there. Liam Paro, Regis program. That's a good fight. Fighting Jack Catterall, that's I, well, a good fight. No, but I no, would, no, but here's I, the thing. This, I, this, I this is what I'm am. arguing with this is what I'm arguing with what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, it's a good. It's a, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a good fight, but like for boxing masses, for at this point in Regis's career, with yeah. how old he is, like he wants massive, big fights. Regis Progray is a name that should be bigger in boxing, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with the way that he has been promoted. And at the same time, like we want to see him in those massive fights. Like if Devin Haney does move up to 140, that's a fight that we want to see. Do we want to see him against a Re uh, Ryan Garcia? Sure. Do we want to see him against, you know, a Teofimo Lopez? Yes, we do. Do we want to see him against a Josh Taylor? Yes. We don't, um, like no disrespect to Jack Catterall because I said that he won against Josh Taylor. But, but that's a good fight for a boxing nerd. But at the same time, people aren't running to the TV to be like, oh my God. I have to watch Regis Prograde Jack Catterall tonight. This is the fight. I'm going to have a party for this at my house and invite all my friends over. Like, no one's going to be doing that, right? Like, he's, he's like, in his mid-30s at this point. Like, we want blockbuster fights, and that's my issue with him siding, for siding with Matchroom. Are you going to have a party for Regis Prograde and Jack Catterall? Because I ain't. Me and you might. That's about it. I don't know who else would come. Um, I mean, like... me and you might for content. Um, that might... <laughs> That, that that might be a fight where I actually hop on with you earlier. Uh, cause Brian's always like, yo, do you want to hop on a little bit earlier so we can watch the fight? And I'm like, no, man, I get on uh right before showtime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is that's what I'm saying though. Like, that's I, my issue. My thing is really like the some knock that I saw people talking about was uh can Eddie Hearn 
does he have the facilities to build a big star in the U.S., right? Is it, and is is Regis Progray going to be one of them, right? And 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 if you look at the outlook, like to me, it's just really clear. It's it's Liam Paro, it's Jack Catterall, perhaps it's Richardson Hitchens. Ooh, Maybe yeah. it's Ryan and Garcia. Boxing learner coming with the heat still very skilled. I do think that's a good fight. I, I did a feature. A- I did a feature story on Richardson Hitchens because he's from Brooklyn. I'm like right around the way, whatever. Uh, met up with him and everything. He's, I think he's super, super skilled. And he's somebody who, if marketed correctly, could be a star because he's one of those guys. He's going to be very difficult to hit. He's going to be a pain in the ass. Like he's kind of, he, He's kind of like, I don't want to say he's as good as Shakur Stevenson, but stylistically, they're pretty similar, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, coincidentally, they did some training together and things of that nature. Um, both were in the Olympics. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too. But to, to your point, yeah, I think the bigger fights would have been a top rank. So I kind of wonder, like, what's what's Eddie Hearn and Matchroom have planned that really sway the direction here? Because this really... Yeah sort of alters the balance of 140 because if Regis did sign with ESPN and top rank, then you're talking about like so many oh, good fights. the so possibilities many good fights. there. You make him and Arno Barbosa right away. You could do that straight away next. Yo, here's the thing though. Um, I think we also heard that Teofimo Lopez also saying that this is going to be his last fight with top rank. Is that something that he said? Among other controversial things. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were not going to get into, but yeah. He did, he did say that. I mean, we can. We can. Um, probably not take... for this episode, but like we, yeah. you know, we we can. We pr- we'll probably do that leading up to his fight, which I may be at. Fingers crossed. But yeah. Because that's the thing. It'd be interesting to see where Teofimo Lopez goes. Because if he was also to go to matchroom, that makes things really, really interesting. So I think it really depends. Given on- what he said, I probably see Matchroom more likely than Showtime. Yeah. You know, if we're- <laughs> I mean, if, if we're going to get into that, we'll get into that for another episode. But that's my whole thing is like, I think it really depends on what Devin Haney is going to do. Is Devin Haney, let's say he does beat Lomachenko. And I, you know, I hate to just say that he's going to beat Lomachenko. Who could also say- lead, who could also, who also may not be long for ESPN. So right? let's just say that he does beat Lomachenko. He's still undisputed. Then he moves up to 140, has to vacate his titles. And then he would sign to Matchroom. There is a chance that him and Regis Probate could get it on, but that's a lot. And we also heard Bill Haney say that he wasn't gonna move up to 140. So there's also that factor. Subriel Matias, free agent, will he sign with Matchroom? Because I think that's a fight that everyone would want to see. Regis Probate and Subriel Matias. Subriel Matias probably the most underrated in the 140 pound division. Doesn't get talked about a lot by casual boxing fans. And then you also have the factor of Tiafima Lopez is what is he going to do? Is he going to be leaving top? Is it his last fight at top rank? Because remember, at one point, he did also say that he was leaving top rank before. Yeah. And, and boxing learner, under that umbrella. And boxing learner says it is not true. Bob Arum says he has two more years in top rank. Uh, all I'm going to say is contracts are made to be broken. A lot, a lot of that, like a lot of this shit, you know what I mean? Especially in this sport. As you can see, people make yeah. up the rules as they go. Liam Parra was set to fight Arno Barbosa, allegedly, or ordered to fight Arno Barbosa, allegedly, WBO title eliminator. And then all of a sudden, he's getting a title shot at an entirely different network against an entirely different champion, <laughs> Regis Progray in New Orleans. People are just making shit up as they go. And let's also remember that Lou DiBella is uh, still working with Devin Haney as well. 
and we know Lou DiBello, he don't give a shit what network it's on as long as it's a good fight. <laughs> and we'll try to get Lou back on again. He was actually our first episode, a classic Lou DiBello episode, if you want to go check that out. <laughs> Before we hop off of here, Brian, any final words on Canelo and, of course, uh, the 140-pound division? Just looking forward to some fights coming up. We'll, we'll use this time now to tell people big previews coming up next week. We're going to do a lot on Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko, kind of like we did against Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. So keep it locked for that. And uh, we have Rolly Romero this weekend, so we'll get into a little bit of betting. And Jason Maloney, who we had on the show, we'll talk a little bit about his fight coming up. But as far as the 140-pound division, a lot of talented names, some coming up. We mentioned Gary Antoine Russell and Richardson Hitchens also. I want to know what they're going to do because they're kind of up next in the class. Um, and then you have like a true, a true 50-50 fight with Josh Taylor and Teofimo Lopez coming up that I'm very excited about. Very excited that it's in New York City. Wish it was in the big room as opposed to the Madison Square Garden Theater. But that's another story for another day. All right. Um, and by the way, you got to see Brian Flex on his new uh, accessory for his mic. <laughs> that he's super hype about but if you haven't already liked the video on youtube make sure to like the video hit that subscribe button and make sure to follow us on our social media channels it's at the mandatory tkos thanks so much for hanging out with us and we'll be doing more lives as well probably around this time 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern time and so we'll definitely be back with some more content keep it locked here on the mandatory channel for some more content throughout the week because like brian mentioned roly is going to be fighting and he should be champ after this weekend but we'll get into that on another episode yeah you never know but i'm i'm, pre I'm pretty sure i'm, I'm pretty sure that, <laughs> that that might happen but you know what lately i've been wrong so maybe i should just keep my mouth shut but anyways <laughs> follow us at the mandatory tko thanks so much for rocking with us and we'll be back soon yeah, yeah.